0: Welcome to another episode of the Shape of Work podcast. Joining me today on the show is maitri Sarthi. Maitri is the Senior General Manager, HR at Reliance Industries Limited. Welcome to our show, maitri Thank you. Okay. Firstly, at the outset, thanks for giving us the time and then helping us getting into this conversation for the benefit of our listeners. My pleasure. Yeah. So Maitri, we know that you have spent a lot of time in the HR uh, domain. So can you just walk us through your professional journey? And uh, in fact, how did you get into the HR industry? How are you trying to develop and evolve as a deserving HR professional day by day? Because we see that this is a growing industry and then the involvement of an HR for every, any industry makes a huge difference for the growth of the industry.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, so let me just start with uh, my background. I am an engineer by undergraduate. Uh, uh, undergraduation. And I did my MBA from IIM Bangalore. Yes. So as you all know, um, IIMs don't give a, a MBA in HR. Um, so I did my minors in sales and marketing strategy and in economics. So how I landed up in HR is an accident. And I've uh, said this in a couple of other interviews also. Okay. I got married. Uh, uh, and at that time, my husband was working at Jamnagar. And okay. it was a manufacturing plant. So given the nature of the site, uh, I had to take up this job uh, in HR and I thought, why not try my hands with HR as well. And at that time, I was working in business development. Um, so I took this opportunity to explore the function and uh, the day by day I spent time in HR, I understood the importance of this function. Mm-hmm. So before that, when I was in business development, I was handling a team of 90 uh, people. And uh, when yeah, when I just moved on to HR, that's when I realized how I would have made a difference to that job if I would have been in HR before um, you know performing as a PD head. Yes. Uh, it changed my perspective about uh, the function in itself. And uh, I started working in talent management. Um, uh, and uh, the more I worked in this function, I understood the uh, importance and the potential that this function has got in yes. running an organization, in making a difference truly to the organization. A lot of people think HR is a support function. You really don't contribute to the business. And I've come from contributing directly to the numbers, you know, to the top line and the bottom line of the business. But trust me, the power that the HR function has got in making a difference to the organization is humongous and and and, and I, I personally feel and i keep telling this telling this to my leaders as well that if you want to really become a good leader and make a difference it's necessary and essential for you to at least do a strength in HR. You know that gives you a very different perspective about what is managing human resource. So yeah and there is no turning back um, I've I've been I'm fortunate enough to work uh, in in multiple projects in, in in talent management domain and change management domain and uh, in transformation so been a part of uh, two different transformation cycles for a big organization like Reliance, um, working in manufacturing sites also gave me the opportunity to understand thousands of people who work at site. And also being in a COE function also gave me the opportunity to understand how specialist roles work. So cool. I think I've been in the, you know, the in the middle of best of both worlds and uh, I was able to really, really understand. Uh, while I've spent around eight, nine years in, in the HR function, I still believe that there is a lot of things to learn. Because um, uh, change is uh, the only thing that uh, remains constant. constant. Yes. So, uh, so and 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 the most fastest changing um, uh, you know parameter that I have seen so far is human. And uh, you know, the kind of generations that and the expectation that I've been seeing after I got into HR, year on year when we actually uh, kind of take orders, the expectation changes. and hence um, the way that the organization work changes, the consumer behavior changes and as a result it's very important for HR also to continuously change to stay relevant uh, for the organization both as a professional for the individual as well and hence I think the whole journey of um, understanding the spectrum of HR and also changing continuously to stay relevant and to truly value it to the business and the function is something which is very intriguing so I think it's a long journey but yeah I'm I'm just trying to make the best and uh, learn as i i progress and you know kind of enjoy this work every day yeah
0: yes, yes that's really interesting and i can relate to you uh very much because i've closely worked with many organizations both in terms of hr and then coe as well okay because these are the two functions which really uh, directly uh, uh, proportional to the growth of the organization is what my belief is
1: right right both business partnering as well as coes
0: Good. yes excellent yeah, yeah well said Okay. And then we have always seen that, okay, we keep hearing that, okay, the the staff of the organization leaves. And then there is always a strong belief that, okay, when an employee leaves the organization, most often uh, he leaves because uh, they cannot gel well with their managers or they're not very comfortable with the managers. So we feel that, okay, it's necessary and important for organizations to invest uh, in its managers as much as they're investing uh, in the vision and mission uh, of the organization process and culture. So in fact I was just reading one of the articles of your linkedin uh, written by you on the same topic can you just do a, a little more elaborate on the same uh, for the benefit of our listeners
1: so um uh, I'm a firm believer, and I've been also, I mean, an avid reader as well. In yeah. one of the books, uh, you know, it was mentioned that, uh, and and uh, you know, when when an employee leaves the organization, the employee not just leave the organization, the employee actually leave the manager. Yes. Why do we say that? Because uh, uh, imagine you and I are also employees. Yes. To us, the organization is nothing but our manager and people around us. Yes. And manager has got an extremely important uh, place to influence the employee, both in a good. And as well as a bad way. Uh, when we talk about HR, uh, typically we focus a lot on process. We focus a lot on bringing in technology, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think the focus should also be in grooming our managers to make the right impact. No amount of process or technology can be useful if the people who are going to use it don't make it in the right way and don't use it in the right manner. And hence, managers play an extremely, extremely important role in actually getting this to the last employee of the organization. I mean, HR is is just an enabler in this whole journey. We cannot kind of change anything because if an employee then gets to listen something from the manager or gets to listen from the HR it creates two different impact. And hence, uh, uh, I think it would be more powerful if we also focus equally on how do we make our managers uh, make the true differentiation to the employee. They become the spokesperson of the HR. They manage the human resource rather than us taking the responsibility of doing it. So the the subtle difference is, should I do it? Or should I enable our managers to do it? Right. You know, it's just even more get, taking the back seat and become comfortable in terms of mentoring, coaching, grooming, uh, gauging where the managers are, what kind of uh, 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 initiatives and interventions that are required to equip them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's a very, very different approach as compared to going and you know talking to employees, making them understand. It is important. It is also important to do it. However. It is uh, it is essential for us to actually give the baton to the managers to do it, and that's where I uh, I did I did write an article on that and uh, yes. you know to 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 see the importance and and I've been in a business partnering role places where I have made my managers take care of things. Um, I think are the places where I was easily able to get the output and you know end result is what I have yes. seen personally as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, rightly said. Then one of the other ways that I also look at it is that the managers are are closely connected within their team. So that becomes much more easier for them to just communicate with them in the way that they need to be communicated because the HR at a different perspective, uh, they're at a different level. So getting connected to the employees also becomes a little challenging, not that it's not possible, but it becomes a little challenging as compared to the uh, managers directly getting in touch with them and then mentoring them, grooming them, and then making them understand of the situations. Right,
1: right.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well said, well said. Okay. And we have also seen that uh, talent management mainly addresses two main types of risks that we have uh, always seen across. So there is something called as my star employees abandon me, and the empty bench. Okay, the first risk is my star employment employees abandon me is where they receive or even pro, proactively seek uh, job offers from other organizations, and we, and when they find an appropriate uh, offer, they tend to leave the organization. So there is also a phenomenon of uh, emotional uh, desertion, is what we call it as of the workplace where the employee has uh, no plans to leave, but neither he make an exceptional effort to use his talents to the benefit of the organization. Uh, In this case, uh, how should an organization manage the talent? In your opinion, what types of risks does the talent management address?
1: So basically, um, I think uh, the two risks that you've already mentioned, I mean, it's uh, it's a stalemate situation in both the cases. The yes. first case is I have my A performer, A star performer, yes. and uh, this person is in constantly search of jobs outside. So yes. the problem in this is the person is committed to the job, but not with the organization. Right. So he's okay in doing the job as long as any organization offers him a better uh, ecosystem, better salary, and it could be anything. Yes, And the second case that you spoke about is the empty bench case where the person is committed to the organization and not to the job. And hence, he is not willing to look out for any of the opportunity. But at the same time, this person is also not trying to go beyond what is required and perform to the fullest possible. Now, both are problematic. I think the best way or or the ideal situation where we need to keep our employees is can the person be committed to the job? And also to the organization. organization. Now, both of these commitment comes from different parameters, and we need to focus on all of that. For example, when we're talking about commitment to the job, it comes from what is the um, the the deliverable, or or uh, what is the value that the person adds to the job. How is that? It's important to the passion that the individual carry, and uh, you know how is that uh, manager who is actually kind of uh, uh, you know giving that opportunity to the employee, grooming them, career aspirations, so on and so forth, comes okay. into picture. When it comes to commitment to the organization, it's about the culture, it's about the engagement that, that the organization does with them, the values of the individual connected to the values of the organization, and so on and so forth. I think a, a good, I will not say great, minimum a good talent management strategy should focus on balancing all of this. It should about how is, uh, you know, in the, in the Maslow's hierarchy, how do we take care of all the levels, but focusing on from level to level five, slowly moving from the the, the, the physiological needs to then kind of talking about uh, their, their career aspirations. How are they being valued by the organization? What is the alignment that they have with the organization, etc.? I think if you focus on all of that in a balanced manner, uh, we would still be able to start making a difference, and you know we would we would be able to kind of have only healthy attrition. I think if an organization wants to have zero attrition or lesser attrition, it's not the good place to be in. Churning is important, so the 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 strategy should be how do we make it a healthy attrition. people who you want them to leave also leave the organization sensing that they don't make um, a right fitment to the job or to the organization. That's the best place to be in rather than just saying, oh, I don't want any attrition in my organization. That's also not a good place to be in. Yeah. So I think that is where we need to nail it as a talent management box in terms of how do we strategize it. And and most of this is depending on uh, where the problem is. Uh, While we're just talking about generic um, uh, trends here, but it would also have a context to the organization. Hmm. So the solution would be specific to that context.
0: Yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah. Well yeah. said. It's definitely uh, well understood and then uh, well addressed too. Okay. And then uh, during the uh, beginning of our discussion, we discussed about uh, that you spent a lot of time in terms of change management and then uh, uh, organization development. So, and we also know that okay, you are very skilled in that uh, with the kind of background that you come from. Could you share some of your experiences uh, with managing and uh, leading change initiatives uh, in in your past experiences
1: okay so the toughest the toughest of uh, the initiatives that you can probably do is something which is related to change mm. because while all of us naturally change and our expectations and everything changes we are not very welcoming to the change that comes from externally and that's where the catches every time when an organization comes up with a change management initiative Um, we tend to actually push this to the employee or we tend to communicate to them. And every employee or every individual has got their own change cycle. And hence, it is important for us to capitalize on and see how or what is the requirement for us to make the change. So it all starts with um, kind of keeping the end goal in mind. You can definitely not run a change management without really not thinking about where do I want to reach? So it's important that to look at, let's say, for example, today I'm running an initiative. What do I want to achieve in the next three months, in the next six months, in the next one year? Yes. What are the KPIs that I'm that I'm checking, which could be leading or lagging KPIs? How am I going to do it? Setting up all of these parameters and plans are extremely essential because it's it's very abstract. Change is very abstract. Uh, a lot of time what happens is you you implement a process and the process will still happen. But at the end of the day, you will just not be able to get the KPIs at all. What is happening there? Because people are just tick-marking the item. And right. sometimes you, you would just implement a process. It might not be at, at a very higher superficial level. It might not be happening. But you would still be able to get the result because people understood the intention. They were actually doing it. Maybe they're not doing it right. So the problem or the fixing can should happen at any level in anywhere. And hence, it's important for you when you're making the plan, keep it foolproof. Or at least keep it clear in your head so that when you're actually being through the journey, you know where you need to course correct. That's the first very important thing. The second important thing is uh, not everybody is the same. Everybody is different. And hence, how do I approach change would be very different from how do you approach change. So we cannot say uh, the first wave is just done in one week I've implemented an initiative. It never happens like that. Right, right. It's not about we communicating to someone. It's about how do they take it? How do they embrace it? And hence, there is a cycle that we need to, you know, kind of go through. And there could be people who are early adopters who just kind of initially take it faster. And there could be people who are just laggers. They just don't want to take it. And there could be people who are just waiting for others to see and how they are actually reacting to it. So the whole point is we need to understand as an organization, predominantly where the change curve is. So okay. when you start, you know who are those early adopters, who know you know who are those change agents, who are the influencers, pick them up, make them do the change management for you. And at any given point in time, depending on where are you in the change curve as an organization, yes. Yes. the intervention should also be different. You cannot do a communication to a larger and expect him to change. It's not going to happen. Maybe right. you will have to give them success stories. Maybe you will have to also tell them that this is a high time that you have to change. And hence, the, the, the strategy that you need to use at different point in time would be different. And at the end, um, uh, it's very, very important that always when a change management is done by HR, you don't be the front face, And you will, you will see me telling this time and again, true. give very it true. to the people to whom you're doing, make them own it. Yes. And tell them what's in it for them. Don't tell them what are you offering to them. Nobody is interested to understand what you're giving to them. Sure. Tell them what is in it for them. And when you are telling them what's in it for them, always make somebody from the group to tell it to them, rather than you telling it to them. Right. I think that's the most effective way that I have seen it happening. You call it change management. You, you call it change agents or influencers. Whoever that person is, make that person... Talk to the others, I think that's the best way to do it. The more HR takes the back seat and run the whole change management, the successful it can be. Yeah, 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 good always thoughts on that. Yeah.
0: yeah, true, very good, very, very well said. And then there's a lot of good insights and then a lot of details that you've just actually gone into uh, to it. And then we always uh, hear this, right? Okay, any management is good, but the most challenging management is the people management, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. absolutely.
0: So, we have to understand the psychology of every individual. And it's a big task for any HR person because the whole thing goes on uh, uh, the, the different, uh, what is that, the thought process, what's running on in an employee's mind. We have to understand it at every level. That's very important. Sure. Yes, yes. And uh, uh, we also heard that okay, you were in the talent management for some time. And uh, as a talent management uh, professional, what do you think are the characters according to you determine uh, right talent worth signing?
1: Uh, it's a very, uh, <laughs> a very simple question that you asked, but the answer would be very complicated. I'll try to make yes. it simple. Yes. So uh, when you're talking about talent, and in my experience, a lot of time when we go for interviews, mm-hmm. um, uh, the interviewer will focus a lot on what are the domain skills? They would look for, for example, if you're hiring for a tester or if you're hiring for a machine, uh, uh, shift field engineer or anybody uh, in the particular job role. We will tend to see uh, what is that the person has already demonstrated in that job or what are the competencies that they have with respect to the domain skills. Yeah. While it is important, I think what is more important and where people need to really focus on is their um, transferable skills. What do I mean by transferable skills are skills which are related to um, uh, softer leadership, managerial communication, intentions, character, because these are the things which are either impossible to impart or it's very difficult to impart. Mm-hmm. Domain skills is something that we can easily teach them. And, and that's how the whole IT industry works. Yes. They take biotechnology engineers and they take uh, cool. uh, you know mechanical engineers and they make them code. How do they do it? They just bet on the learning agility and they say, if they can learn engineering, they can also learn coding. But what is important is um, if I have commitment to work, if I have the sincerity, if I have the integrity, if I have the authenticity, I think those are the things which we cannot teach someone. If, if somebody has got the innate skills of uh, doing a, being a good negotiator, if somebody has got the capability to, you know, kind of do a root cause analysis and be a, a, a you know, good stakeholder manager, or they're, they're having these kind of skills, it's very, very difficult impact and it takes time. And when I see somebody like that, who's got that kind of a transferable skills, which can be used, uh, which are functional domain agnostic and with uh, some demonstrated domain skills, probably I would go for such kind of person as compared to only truly focusing on the domain skills. Because a lot of time, that's where the the unfit or you know uh, the dissatisfaction with the job comes in. You take a person who's extremely good in domain skills. You don't check on the culture culture fitment. You don't check on the values and behaviors. You don't check on um, you know the employee value proposition that you would offer to that person and it's whether it is aligned or misaligned with the person's expectation. Correct. You get them in in two three months. They just realize it's not the right organization or the right job. And hence, your cost will become higher now because you'll have to replay this guy. You've actually paid some money in hiring, etc. And it's going to be a lot of effort, money, and time waste. And hence, I think if you ask me personally, I would bet a lot on the transferable skills that I've spoken about uh, in addition to domain skills. And I'm using these words very carefully. Yes,
0: um, yes. You know,
1: it's not just not about domain skills is what right. I mean
0: suggest. Right, right, right. So very well said, especially when we just discussed about that, right? That the replacement cost is much more... Much more Uh, costlier than retaining a good talent so it it all leads to selecting the right talent it may take a little extra time for us to just do that homework and then get the right talent but uh, it has to be a very uh, uh, judicially done in terms of getting the right talent
1: Right. Yes, and the intentions yes. are the key. The, the intentions is something that I, a lot of time I just see managers, okay, this person has got relatively five years of more experience or two years of more experience. Let's go ahead for the person. The first question I ask is, how much do you think that first person is, is will fit into the, our organization? organization. Or the culture? And if somebody has got around, let's say, two years of lesser experience, but you think this person can learn, this person shows the passion and he can fit in, I would probably go for that person because the two years of experience can always be given to them. Yes, you know? yes. As That's long right. as he's willing, he or she is willing to do it.
0: Right, right, right. Very well said, yeah, thanks for that. Okay, and uh, we've seen that, okay, you've been in Reliance for almost nearing to a decade now. Okay, and then uh, part of being part of uh, such a big organization. So you must have definitely seen some uh, changes right from the time that you have joined Reliance to what you are in today. So can you just walk us through on what are the changes or maybe the uh, evolution that you have seen since the day that you joined uh, uh, Reliance as an organization?
1: So, um, again, um, I'm sure you all are following Reliance company because probably uh, post-COVID or even before that, uh, in this one decade, the most happening company organization in the country is Reliance. Anybody that I speak to, I know they would know something or the other about what Reliance is doing, right? Definitely, yes. Um, When you see that kind of an effort and result that's coming out, Inside the organization, there is also a lot of changes happen. Reliance is an organization where they believe in continuously evolving and staying Mm. relevant. Mm. So in my tenure, in 10 years, I think there was a lot of learning that I have seen. Uh, A couple of things that I have to say, we never settle for something which is less than excellence. Mm. And that is something that I've seen across with everyone in this organization. And if that, uh, you know, asks for continuous change, it is something that they would go ahead and do it come what may. Excellent. Everybody, yeah, everybody understands the importance of um, uh, you know having the donorship mindset with people. Uh, it's it's not just because when you have big organizations, it's not just the process that makes things happen. It's about how people take their organization to themselves, how seriously and how much they attach to the organization. All of this do make a lot of difference. So um, and, and hence I've seen these kind of things um so nicely being imparted to people. And when you have people working with different generational gaps, you know, with different age groups, um, it is important for also also to look at how inclusively people behave, uh, keeping the larger purpose of the organization in mind. And these things. While the context is the same, the efforts needs to be different, and you know all of this I've seen, you know, in this ten years, and and how beautifully Reliance works with it, and you know they they are aware of it, they're sensitive to it, and um, you know they, they just kind of uh, uh, so uh, effortlessly evolve themselves to do that and I think as an organization uh, they have to be visionary to continuously uh, you know stay abreast of what's happening in the industry as well so yeah and I'm a great fan of um, Mukesh sir so and I continue to be that you know, <laughs> yes. I just yes. really get amazed by the vision that he has got for the business as well as for the organization and the country so that's commendable so you know uh, I, I can just go on with uh, what I have learned because it's, it's a lot.
0: Yeah. So more than the words that you used, the passion in which you spoke those words speaks a lot. I uh-huh. could just observe, I could just observe that in the kind of conversation that we've been having. I think you're really passionate, and then I wish you all the success, grow much more to higher uh, positions in the organization, and I'm sure you're making a huge difference in the organization for the organization.
1: My pleasure. And it's so wonderful interacting with you for those very simple, but very tough questions. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, pretty much thought. I hope I I did answer with the experience that I have uh, got uh, in whatever time that I've worked here. It's great interacting with you.
0: Definitely. It was. And in fact, you gave a lot of insights and I'm sure a lot of all the listeners will take a a benefit out of the experience that you shared with them. And thank you so much for taking out your time and then uh, contributing to our uh, podcast series. Thank you so much and wish A you pleasure. all the best. Wish you all the thank best. Stay you safe. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Stay safe. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.